The following is a message by Dr. David Van Drunen from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, please visit us online at wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. Please turn to Mark chapter 14. We'll read verses 1 through 9 of Mark 14. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him. For they said, Not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than a 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. For our devotions this morning, we want to reflect for a few minutes on this passage, which tells a story which is remarkable in many ways and even tender as we see this woman, this nameless, anonymous woman that we have never met before, come in and where Jesus has reclined with his disciples and do this thing towards Jesus, something of remarkable familiarity, uh, a generous thing to use this very expensive perfume and to anoint Jesus with it. And after she is rebuked by the disciples for this act, Jesus comes to her defense and praises her, explains what she has done, and even says that this deed, this deed that could be described in only just one verse, will be told throughout the whole world, wherever the gospel is preached, in memory of her. Now, as we think about this story... Certainly, we need to think about it in the context of what has been transpiring in the second half of the Gospel of Mark. In chapter 8, Peter makes his confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And from that point forward, Jesus begins at regular intervals to be explaining that he has to die that he has come into this world in order to give his life. And as he does this, frequently over the next several chapters, those predictions of his death are interspersed 
with equally frequent, in fact, even more frequent calls for humility on the part of his listeners. He calls for his disciples and those who hear him to humble themselves, to forsake the ways of power and authority and seeking renown and fame for themselves, but to lower themselves and uh, to uh, accept the ways of humility and meekness. Now, this scene, as it appears before us in chapter 14, in some ways should look familiar if we've been reading the previous chapters in Mark. Because what Jesus has been doing in these calls for humility is he has been ex- holding out as an example uh, the, those who are low on the social totem pole. He has been extolling children, telling his disciples to become like them. He has burst their illusions that the rich have some special privilege or have some special uh, easier way into the kingdom of heaven. He has been commending the lifestyle, been commending the posture of slaves over against the masters, the rulers that the disciples wish to become. And here he commends a woman. And it is just a fact that to be an adult, wealthy male meant privilege. It meant being respected in a way that those who were children or those who were slaves or those who were women were not. And so Jesus here continues his pattern of commending those who would not have been thought of so highly. And in fact, if my count is correct, I believe this is the fourth anonymous woman to be praised by Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. But as we look at this story, we may think that there's something at first glance, something that's different about this, and that perhaps we're tempted to think that the disciples actually got it this time. The disciples have been misunderstanding a lot of things in the previous chapters, but it seems perhaps they've gotten it here. Because after all, when they rebuke this woman for what she has done, they don't ask that she would give the money to them, that they could use it to build Jesus' church, Jesus' kingdom, but they want to use it for the poor. Are they finally getting it? Now they're finally having concern for those who are downcast, for those who are lowly. They want to use it for a good purpose. Who can ever rebuke them or complain about those who want to help the poor? And yet, perhaps right when the disciples now think that they're starting to get it, probably feeling proud of themselves a bit for this act of, or this intention of generosity on their part, Jesus rebukes them as they have rebuked this woman. And as we think about Jesus' rebuke of his disciples and his commendation of the act that this woman has performed, I think we can see here again the coming together of the predictions of Jesus' death and the calls for humility on the part of his disciples that have been tied so closely 
to those predictions of his death. Because what Jesus is, has been commending and what Jesus is looking for here is not simply doing good deeds to those who are needy, showing concern for those who are lower down on the social scale. There are plenty of people in this world, maybe not enough, maybe not plenty, but there are certainly many people in this world who have concern for the poor, who will make sacrifices in order to provide for those who are needy and downcast. But in and of itself, that doesn't make one right with God. That doesn't, it isn't in and of itself an act worthy of praise in the sight of God. Because what Jesus is really interested in here and in these previous chapters is not simply identifying or embracing the poor and the humble in general, but first and foremost, supremely identifying and embracing with one humble person, with one person who is poor and downcast and who has become low on that social scale himself. That is what Jesus is commending here. That is why Jesus praises this woman and rebukes his disciples. Because this woman has seen what is most important, and that is identity with Jesus in his humility, in his suffering, in his lowering of himself for our sake. We, as those who hear Jesus, are to identify with him We're to identify with a God who humbles himself, with a Messiah, a king, a Lord, who comes to suffer and comes to die and even comes to be buried. You can't get any lower than that, to be buried in the depths of the earth. That is the kind of God that we serve. That is the Messiah in whom we have put our faith. One who came to die and to be buried. And that's hard to accept. It was hard then and it's still hard now. That we serve a God who humiliates himself for our sake. And the thing that is so remarkable about this chapter is that this woman, this nameless anonymous woman, She understands. She gets it. At a time and in a context in which no one else was getting it. The disciples, they weren't getting it. They didn't get it here. Earlier, in in earlier chapters in Mark, they had rebuked children who were coming to Jesus, and Jesus had to say, the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. They were trying to make themselves great, They were arguing amongst themselves as to who was the greatest. And Jesus had to tell them to be like children, to be like slaves. The disciples didn't get it. And yet she understands. This woman, we we don't know why. We don't know where this insight came from. And yet we are reminded here of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, that God so often chooses the poor things of this world, the despised things of this world, the humble things of this world, to know him and to understand what to the world is foolishness and a stumbling block, namely the cross, the death, 
the burial of Jesus Christ. This woman is not afraid to identify with Jesus, even when it means mockery and ridicule by those who would seem to be in the know, who would seem to be the guardians of the truth. But of course, Peter, Peter would not show such courage just a short time later when he was asked whether he would be identified with a suffering Messiah. As some of you know, uh, in, uh, over the past few years, I've been doing some preaching in 1 Samuel on the early life of King David. And the last uh, chapter that I preached, I have preached from 1 Samuel is chapter 25, in which uh, David, fresh off of his noble, righteous deed of refraining from killing Saul in the cave when he had the opportunity, showing compassion and humility and forbearance as he showed forth the Messiah who was to come, who was to be the Prince of Peace, who was to accept a life of suffering without retaliating against his enemy. Chapter 25, the very next chapter, David, seeming to forget everything that he had exhibited in the previous chapter, goes out seeking vengeance over Nabal, uh, against Nabal for an insult and for a failure to provide him and his men with supplies. And when David is about ready to shed blood, Abigail, the wife of Nabal, comes, someone we never met before, someone we know basically nothing about, and whom we know nothing about thereafter, except that she became David's wife and had some children. But we find Abigail coming and with great wisdom and insight and discernment, turning away the wrath of David and hundreds of his bloodthirsty men, preventing that, that slaughter. Abigail understood in a time when David had forgotten, when his men had forgotten, she understood what the true king of Israel was to be, a prince of peace, a man of suffering, a man of sorrows, a man who would suffer and even die and be buried for his people. And it's interesting that in that speech that Abigail gives in 1 Samuel 25, she ends by appealing to David, when the Lord has rescued you, has blessed you, then remember me. And David certainly did remember Abigail, remembered her well enough to go and to marry her after her husband died. But certainly it is remarkable that this, well, she's not anonymous, we know her name, but we don't really know anything else about her, that for 3,000 years, as the record of redemptive history has been kept and proclaimed, what Abigail has done has been remembered, showing us the wisdom of the kingdom of God, the wisdom of the messianic work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here, in a remarkably similar uh, uh, kind of story, we find this woman who is now remembered who has been remembered for 2,000 years for this great deed that she has done. Jesus says that what she has done will be told in all the world in memory of her. In the Gospel of Mark, it seems that it is words, not sacraments, that provoke memory. 
It's interesting that in the account of the, of the Last Supper, which follows almost immediately thereafter in Mark 14, Jesus doesn't say, he's not recorded as saying, do this in remembrance of me as we read elsewhere. And yet here there is memory of this woman in the proclamation of the gospel. In fact, a little later on we'll read that Peter remembered the words of Jesus after the cock crowed uh, three times. And so the words that are spoken as the gospel is preached will provoke memory of this woman and what she has done. We're never told her name, but her act will live on. And in fact, it seems that what we are doing right now is fulfilling the words of Jesus. We're fulfilling his prophecy as we gather here this morning and we recount this story, we retell this story, and what she has done is now being remembered again. By retelling this story, we are announcing the gospel. We are remembering not so much her, we don't even know her name, but we're remembering the one that she served, the one to whom she looked, the one in whom she trusted. We are announcing the gospel that Jesus here was prepared for his burial, that Jesus went down to the low places of the earth for us and for our salvation. And we're reminded that the fact that we trust in a Savior who died to take away our sins, calls forth a way of life for us, a way of life that is different from the life of this world. We as a church are called to be those who are humble and meek and gentle, who value Christ and his gospel and his kingdom above power and authority and wealth and the fame and renown that this world can give. The world seeks these things, but we who trust in Christ may not seek those things. That is not the way of life to which we are called as a church. And though the world does not recognize this way of life, the world does not respect this way of life, God does. God remembers those who live this sort of life. God remembers, as he remembered this woman, so he knows those who are his. Let us look to this Savior. Let us embrace him as he is in his humility. For it's only in his humility that we know him now as one who also is exalted. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful story and this beautiful act that we read here. How one of your servants, nameless to us here in the Gospel of Mark, shows her faith in a suffering, dying Messiah. Father, we thank you for her humility for her boldness in the face of rebuke. And we pray, O Lord, that you would give us like faith, that we would trust in a Savior 
who did not seek to commend himself in the eyes of the world, who did not seek the glory of this age, but who went down even to the low places of the earth for us and for our salvation. O Lord, give us this faith. Give us humility to forsake the honor and the power and the riches of this world to pursue your kingdom and your righteousness. Grant us this by your spirit, O Lord, and we pray that you would bless throughout this world the preaching of your gospel, which includes the memory of this act. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Copyright Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.